Amen. What a great song. Let's take our Bibles this morning and uh, open to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 2. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Appreciate the young people singing this morning. And uh, what a great message, a prisoner of hope. And we thank God for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We're just going to read just a couple of verses here. And um, this is just, Ephesians chapter 2 is obviously a a great chapter. Um, Probably most well known for uh, the two verses, uh, verse number 8 and verse number 9, right? And we'll eventually, we'll get to those here in this chapter. But this morning... As we read in verse number one, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others." Father, I do pray that you would just work in the service now, uh, Lord, through your word. Lord, help our hearts to be attentive uh, to what you have for us, and uh, Lord, just help us to be yielded to you, and uh, Lord, be obedient to what you would want for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this is a great passage of scripture here, these first three verses, and um, and, uh, again, just as we, we think about where we've come from in chapter one, he's talked about... Uh, the blessings of the Father, and then the work of the Son, and uh, the the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and uh, and then uh, giving us real purpose for life in in verses fifteen through twenty three about uh, really what the whole purpose of life really is. It's not about um, you know just living for self. It's about following the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and again, to be able to understand that, we have to have our spiritual eyes opened. Uh, and that's what he speaks about in verse number 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, right? Uh, we have to have our spiritual eyes open to be able to see that life is more than just what we have going on right here. Uh, this is just really a small portion of life, if we want to call it that, uh, because we have eternity to think about. Um, and whether we spend 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 years on this earth, that is just a small portion of of eternity. Um, And of course, as a Christian, knowing that we'll be able to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Uh, But as he comes in verse number two, again, remember he's writing to the church and he's just said in verse number uh, 22 of chapter one, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So he's talking about the church. He's saying, hey, Christ is the, the head of the church. Um, he's, the, he's the savior of the body. He's, he's, he's the one that uh, we know that Christ gave his life for the church. And so he's, he's referring to the church here, not just the church of Ephesus, but Christians, all, all Christians, right? But then watch what he says in verse, uh, verse number one of chapter two. And you, again, talking to the church, you, church, hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. This morning, I want to preach a message called Out of the Grave. Out of the Grave. And think about what he's saying here in verse number one. He says, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So understand what, what God is saying here. We were dead. We were 
dead in the grave. And he speaks of trespasses and sins here. We were dead. But then he says, you, talking again to the church, hath he quickened. The word quickened here uh, means to revive. It means to make alive, to return to life. And we have to understand what he's, what he's meaning here when he says, you hath he quickened or made alive or returned to life. What is he talking about here? Well, we understand before we met Jesus Christ, right? Our body was not dead. We were all still walking. We were all still breathing and talking and functioning and things like this. We were all still alive physically, but what was dead was spiritual. We were spiritually dead. Uh, When we were born, we were spiritually separated from God. We are dead spiritually. That's why when God told Adam and Eve uh, that they would, the day that they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And when we think about the word death, the word death simply means separation. And when they died that day, their physical body did not die, but there was a spiritual death. They were spiritually separated from God which is why now God could not come and walk with them and talk with them in the garden. They were separated from God. This is why now they had to bring the sacrifices and things. We are separated from God. And anyone that is born now, we are born in our sinful state, separated from God. We are dead. Even though we have a, our body is physically alive, spiritually, we are dead in the grave. We're dead. But one day... I hope this has happened to you. One day we met Jesus. And he says, and you hath he, Jesus Christ, quickened. One day we met Jesus Christ. And of course, as we find in in chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9, he says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. One day we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he saved us. And he brought us out of the grave. He quickened us. He made us alive spiritually. And this, this first verse of chapter 2, really just, it really just deepens the mystery of God's grace to men. That we were dead in the grave. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Have you ever seen a no trespassing sign? Have you ever seen a no trespassing sign? Right? What does the no trespassing sign mean? means no trespassing, right? You don't, don't come on the property, right? Stay off, stay away, don't, don't come there, right? Uh, it means that it is, it is criminal to be on that property. And when you go on that property, then you have fallen, you have broken the law. We're dead in trespasses, he says, and sins. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit in the garden, they trespassed on what God had said. God had put a law. He said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. No trespassing, right? Don't do this. And they chose to do it anyway. They trespassed on what God had said. The law was given to men as a no trespassing sign so that when men break it, they realize that they are criminals. Just as we are in the mind of God. We are separated. We are dead spiritually from God. We're dead in sin, he also says. The word sin means to miss the mark. It means to go wrong, to do wrong. And because of our trespasses, we are dead in sin. We have missed God's mark for righteousness. 
There's no one who is righteous. The Bible tells us in Psalms and in Romans, there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all missed that mark because of our sin nature. God sees us as spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. Before accepting Christ as our Savior, our deadness to spiritual things is evident in our behavior. And this is what he's going to show here in these verses. He says, you hath he quickened who were dead. Now, before we get into the behavior of the dead person here in just a moment, I, I want to make sure because he, he is offering life to those who are dead. We were dead in the grave. We're dead in trespasses and sins. But yet the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ offers life to those who are willing to, to put their faith in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins and, and accept him. He offers them life. And friend, if you're here this morning, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you're not sure where you would go when you die. Jesus Christ is offering you life. You're dead in the grave. You're dead in trespasses and sins. But he's offering you life, right? I mean, think, what he, think about what he says in verse number four. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Think about that. God, who is rich in mercy showed his love to us. How? By sending his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God showed his love to us who were dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We didn't deserve life. But God who is rich in mercy. What a great verse. We're not going to get to there yet today. We're going to save that for next week. But I want to just give you a Man, you just, you just can't go, you just can't get by that verse. It's just an amazing verse. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his love, wherewith he, his great love, wherein he loved us. But notice he says in verse number one, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And then he makes this statement in verse number two, wherein in time past you walked, Right? So what he's getting ready to do, he's, he's getting ready to show a, a correlation from those who were dead in their sin, in trespasses, and how they lived. The behavior, the actions of someone who is spiritually dead in their sins. And then next week, we're going to kind of continue because there's, there's a correlation here. There, there's, there's to be a difference there, there should be a difference between someone who is spiritually dead and someone who is spiritually alive. There ought to be a difference, right? You know what the problem with most Christians today is? You can't tell if they're dead or alive. You don't know if they're dead or alive. I mean, they say they're alive, but a lot of their actions are of the spiritually dead person. So are they, are they saved or are they alive? What, what is going on here, right? And that's why I believe Paul is, is bringing this up and he's saying, look, you were this way, right? In time past, you walked according to this way. But now that you're alive, it ought to be different now, right? So watch what he says here because he's, he's showing us this. Again, before accepting Christ as our Savior, our deadness to spiritual things is evident in this behavior, Notice again, he says, in time past ye walked, referring to our behavior 
before we were saved, and then goes on to show us the behavior after that we're saved, right? So watch what he says here. Notice these, these types of behaviors. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So it says, here's the, here's the spiritually dead behavior, right? Notice, first of all, it's delusional. It's delusional. Did you notice in verse number two? He says, you walked in the past according to the course of this world. He said, this is, this is how a spiritually dead person walks, according to the course of this world, according to the path of this world, according to what the world thinks is right. And I think we can see this really in two ways. We see, first of all, we're delusional in thinking that the world's way is best. The world's way is best. The world has convinced us that the only way to find real happiness and meaning in life is to follow the world and do what the world does. The world says success, money, popularity, position, possessions. These are the things that will bring happiness and satisfaction. This is what really life is all about. And so what happens? A spiritually dead person hears what the world is saying and says, oh, well, that must be right. A spiritually dead person sees, oh, yeah, success must is, must what, is what brings happiness. Yeah, popularity is what must bring happiness, and, and fame is what must bring happiness. And so what do we do? We begin to walk according to the course of this world. But may I say, look at how many of them who are supposed to be happy and have supposedly found meaning in life, look at their lives. Look at their lives. They can't stay married. They're on drugs and alcohol in rehab after rehab. They want you to think that their way is best, though. I mean, you hear about so many of them even committing suicide and things, but their way is best. What's happened? We're delusional. We're letting ourselves be doped into thinking the world's way is best, right? And here's what happens. And, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here. What happens is we're, we're delusional with the world's way, walking the world's way. And then when someone came along and said, hey, Jesus Christ wants to save you from your sin, you're like, I'm good, man. What, what are you talking about? I don't need to be saved. Life is great. Life is good right? What happened? The course of this world has deluded our mind into thinking that this way is best. We're delusional. We walked according to the course of this world, not only thinking that the world's way was best, but also walking against God. A spiritually dead person walks against God. Have you noticed even through the Bible, that since the fall of man, there is a certain hostility toward God. I don't think you have to look very far in our society today to see that there is a hostility toward God. Right? 
But even through Scripture, we find there was a hostility towards God. All the way from the very beginning, from the, from, from the fall of mankind, there is a hostility toward God. The general attitude of man is going to be worldly. It's going to be fleshly. It's going to be devilish. Why? Well, because in James chapter 4 and verse 4 it says, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. When, when we are saying, hey, the world's way is best, we are the enemy of God. We are against God. And what God says is right. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Romans 5.10, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. He calls us enemies. You understand how far, when he says, and again, it's, it's just such a small thing, but he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's such a, a small phrase there, but there's so much more behind it because he's saying, man, you were literally the enemy of God. Because you had been deluded into thinking that the world's way was right. But what happened? Somehow, through, through perseverance or through somebody continuing to talk to you or through somebody continuing to invite you to church or somebody continuing to tell you about Jesus Christ, somehow you understood that maybe the world's way wasn't right, that maybe God's way was, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he He quickened you. He made you alive. Now he's given you a new life in Jesus Christ. You're made alive. Before, we walked in the course of this world. But now it ought to be different. We shouldn't be walking delusional. We ought to be walking in truth, knowing what God says. Notice, secondly, not only were we delusional, but we were disobedient. He says, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. He says, not only did we walk according to the course of the world, but he says, we also walked according to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air. Who is this prince of the power of the air? I think we all understand this is none other than Satan himself. I mean, we could, we could kind of say, okay, yeah, I see that I was walking according to the course of this world. Yes, the things of the world. But then he takes it a step further and says, hey, not only were we delusional, but we were absolutely disobedient because we were following the devil himself. Say, so, well, wait, wait a second, preacher. I wasn't following the devil. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't following Satan. I mean, I never, I never worshiped Satan. I never, I never really, you know, I never got, I never did anything bad like that in Satanism and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I didn't do that. Well, maybe not, but we were still following the path of Satan. Why? What is his path? Disobedience. Yeah, we understand that the first sin that was committed in, in human history was from Adam and Eve. But Adam and Eve didn't commit the first sin. The first sin was committed by Lucifer, by Satan. What was that sin? Disobedience. He disobeyed. He he was prideful. He was lifted up in pride, thinking that somehow he could become better than God. And he was willing to disobey God. This is what he's saying here. Look again. He says, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. A rebellious angel whose one goal is to deceive man and defy God. 
Do you understand that? That is Satan's one goal. To deceive man into thinking that, again, what are we thinking? The course of the world is right. Success, fame, popularity, that's what's right. And to defy God. Because he knows when we walk according to the course of the world, we are defying God. Because it's not God's way. And this is Satan's plan. This is Satan's purpose. In our fallen state, we are completely deceived by Satan. This is why Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse number 44, before Christ, we were literally the children of Satan. He says, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's saying, look, we just simply by nature, in our dead sinful nature, we're simply following the devil. We're following the devil's path. As soon as a child is able to express their developing personality, and they have some different ones, right? What do we begin to see? One is, what is one of the first behaviors that a child shows? disobedience. One of the first behaviors that a child shows as they begin to develop their personality is disobedience. Now, let me ask you a question. Did they have to go to school to learn that? Of course not. They, they just automatically know how to disobey. Not only disobedience, but anger, selfishness. You see, those are just things that come naturally to children. Disobedience. Why? Because we are in a fallen, sinful state. This was what we were. This is what he's saying. This is the path that you walked in before. You walked according to the course of this world. You walked according to the path of Satan, of disobedience and delusion. This is where you used to be. You used to be under delusion and thinking the world's way was right. You used to be disobedient under the, following the path of the devil, just living whatever you wanted, disobeying God. You don't have to teach children disobedience. It comes naturally because we're the children of disobedience. In John 8, 29, he says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. You know what Jesus said? There's a difference between me and the devil. The devil disobeys, I obey. He said, I do always those things that please him. Jesus Christ had to become the second Adam. The first Adam disobeyed, but Jesus Christ came as the second Adam, the perfect Adam, and he obeyed. He did exactly what the Father wanted him to do. Why? So that he could offer life to those who have disobeyed. So he could offer Truth to those who have been blinded by the delusion of Satan and thinking that the world's way is right. And he says, those that have, have understood and accepted Jesus Christ, he says, he has made you alive. He has brought you out of that grave. He's brought you out of those trespasses and sins. You are no longer dead in those things. Even now, as Christians, Satan tries to get us to revert back to our dead nature. He tries to get us to revert back. 
He tries to deceive us in thinking that the world's way is best. I mean, if you follow God, man, that's, that's going to be a rough life. If you follow God, there's no happiness in it. If you follow God and do what God says, and if you follow the word of God, and if you follow Jesus Christ, and man, there's just, you're just going to be miserable, and you're going to hate life. So you want to, what, what you ought to really do is you ought to come back and walk according to the course of this world. Man, what you really ought to do is remember that money is what brings happiness, and, and popularity is what brings happiness, and success is what brings happiness. And, and what do we begin? We begin to allow our mind to be deluded again. We become delusional even though we've been saved, even though we've been set free from that delusion. We allow the devil and the world to convince us that their way is right again. And what happens? So many Christians, instead of being different, and so many Christians, instead of saying, hey, wait a minute, that's, that's where I was before. That's, that's the grave I was in. I was in that grave of delusion. Why would I want to go back to the grave? Why would I want to go back to a grave? I want, to, I, want to, I want to stay as far away from there as possible. Why would we, why would we let the devil delude us and, and deceive us into thinking that his way is still right? When we know because we have been made alive, we have been quickened, we know that Christ is the, is the truth, the way and the life, why would we let ourselves be brought back into that path? You understand, this is what he's saying. You were this way, but now you're quickened. Now you're made alive. Your life ought to be different because of what Jesus Christ has done. We're going to look more at this next week in this difference that God wants for us. But again, he just, we, we, we allow him to deceive us into thinking that obeying God isn't worth it. Following God just isn't worth it. We're going to be miserable, right? Somehow, if I follow God, then he's going to send me to Siberia somewhere, right? You know, if, if I follow God, then he's going to, you know, he's just going to take away, you know, you know, I won't even be able to drive a car if I follow God. Right? We allow the lies of the devil to convince us that God's way is wrong and his way is right. When God says, wait a minute, we, we, just, we just read through chapter 1. If you really want to find purpose in life, you've got to take off the physical eyes. Don't, don't look physically, look spiritually. And so many Christians, instead of looking spiritually, we're just looking physically. Looking at what the world has to offer and thinking somehow that's going to bring enjoyment and happiness. When it doesn't even bring it to those who have it. And you think that's going to last forever? It's only going to last for a short period of time. We're delusional. We're disobedient. That's why Paul, or Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is trying to destroy anything he can, anyone he can. Are we just going to let him have his way? Are we really going to open our eyes to spiritual understanding and see what God is trying to tell us? And so we find here in verse number two, he says, we have been delusional. We are disobedient, but notice we're also defiled. Notice in verse number three, among whom also we all had our conversation. So again, he's including all of us here. He, Paul's including himself. He's including all the, the believers here. He's including you and me, those of us that know Christ as our savior. He says, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So Paul says here, we are defiled. Our conversation, he says, was in the lust of our flesh, the, the fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Before Jesus Christ, we were controlled by our natural desires, the lust of the flesh. The word conversation here is not talking about an actual physical conversation with our mouth. The word conversation, when you see it used in Scripture, you'll find that the word conversation has to do with our lifestyle. Everything that we do. Yes, our speech, but also our actions. It also includes our our thoughts, our mind. It's everything about us. Our, our conversation, our lifestyle, how we live. Yes, what we say, what we do, how we respond, how we treat others, what's going on in our mind. All of that, he says. All of that, 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 that lifestyle, watch, was in time past fulfilling the desires of the flesh. That's what our life was all about. It was just simply about the desires of our flesh and of our mind. Again, I think probably one of the best descriptions you can find of this is in Genesis chapter 6. It depicts both. He says, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God says what was going on in that time, the thoughts and the actions, the lifestyle was absolutely wicked. And that's why God has to bring this worldwide flood and destroy the world because of how wicked man had become. And it was only Noah who found grace in the eyes of God. Noah and his three sons, Noah and his wife, his three sons and his daughter-in-laws, they were the only ones that were saved from the flood. We all had the conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You understand why do we fulfill the desires of the flesh is because it's in our mind first. We're thinking about it first here, and then it is produced in our actions. We're thinking about it here, and then it's produced in our speech. Wait a minute, that's, that's of the flesh. That's of the world. That's how we were before. We were, we were defiled. Again, it's, we find this in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. He says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Well, that sums up our society today. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. It doesn't matter if it offends somebody else or whatever. You just do whatever. Whatever makes you feel good, do it. What is, the, what is the phrase now? You do you? You know, that's of the flesh. That's the world's way. That's the dead spiritual way. You do you. you whatever you want, whatever, you, whatever makes you feel good, you do you. That's the dead spiritual way. But wait a minute. Why is it that we can't tell many times whether a Christian is... Alive or dead? Because we have too many Christians who have maybe accepted Christ as their Savior, but they have allowed themselves to become delusional again and thinking that following God isn't worth it. Maybe I do need to go back to the ways of the world. You know, following God just isn't worth it. Being obedient to God isn't worth it. You know, so I'm going I'm to go back and just do whatever the flesh wants to do instead of walking in the Spirit. 
Wait a minute. He says, don't you remember? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were in the grave. You were dead. You were without hope. You were lost. You were on your way to hell. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And then Jesus Christ comes along. Jesus Christ comes and he, he offers you life and you've repented of your sins and you put your faith and trust in him. He gives you life. Why would you want to go back to that way? It had nothing to offer before. It has nothing to offer now. And yet so many Christians want to go back to that way. He says, no, no, no. That's death. That's the grave. You're out of the grave. You're alive. You're alive. Look, I'm not trying to be mean or anything here, but look, if there's an open grave, nobody's just going to go and lay in it. We're just not going to do that. We want to stay as far away from that as possible. We want to stay as far away from the grave as possible, even alive. I mean, look at all the commercials. Take this vitamin. You'll live 150 years old, right? Do this. Do this exercise. Do this. Drink this. Order this stuff, right? By the way, they just want your money, right? You understand that. But I mean, they're like, hey, what is everybody trying to do? We're trying to stay out of the grave. Wait a minute. Spiritually, we have been made alive. We're out of the grave. Hey, and can I tell you something? Because we're out of the grave, we don't ever have to fear the physical grave either. Because we're out of the grave spiritually, we don't ever have to fear death because we know that whenever we die, no matter when that might be, we get to be the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we have to fear? Now, tell me, how does the world's way compare to God's way? Well, has, man, God, has nothing compared to God's way. Then why do we want to walk according to the course of this world? Why do we want to walk according to our flesh and the desires of our flesh? Why do we want to walk in disobedience to God? Because we're delusional. We've allowed the world to convince us that God's way is wrong. Can I tell you something? God's way is never wrong. And whenever we start thinking that somehow God's way is wrong, that God's way just isn't going to work, and God's way just isn't the best for us, we are delusional. We're delusional. Because of our sinful nature, because of the lifestyle we were living, notice what he says at the end of verse number 3. And we're by nature the children of wrath. You understand? We were under the wrath of God. In John chapter 3, verse 36, he says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He says, Because we were dead in the grave spiritually, we were dead spiritually, the wrath of God was upon us. God's wrath was upon us because we were not his. But when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, now, the Bible says in Romans 5.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no wrath. We don't have to worry about the wrath of God anymore because we are His. We belong to Him. Romans 1.8, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Man, God says, this is what we used to be. 
This is what we used to be. This is, the, this is the path that we had walked before when we were dead in the grave in trespasses and sins. This is where we were. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the prince and the power of the air. We followed the devil himself. We were disobedient to God, didn't care about God. We were defiled, walking in our flesh. But verse number four says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Now let me ask you something. When you just read verses 2 and 3 and you see how wicked and how ungodly we were and and how we were following the devil and, and the course of this world and our flesh and all this other kind of stuff, you tell me what was... What was lovable about us? There was nothing lovable about us. You you tell me how, when you're walking in the course of this world and in disobedience to God and defiled and in the flesh, you tell me, what is it that you can do to somehow impress God? You can't. That's why he says, but God, who is rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us. God says, even though you are spiritually dead, even though you're walking after my enemy, Satan himself, you're in disobedience, you're deluded, you're defiled. God says, hey, even though you're dead in your trespasses and sins, I still love you and I want to make you alive. I want to give you life. And I want to take you out of the grave and I'm going to bring you over here and and make you part of my family and give you a new life and something that you can live for. Praise God for that. And friend, if you don't know Jesus, that's what he offers you. But Christian, let me ask you, if that's what Jesus Christ has done for us, why would we want to go back? Why would we just be content to say, well, I'm just going to follow the course of the world again. The world says this is what brings satisfaction, so I'm just going to do what they say. Why would we want to go back to the grave when we've been given life? Why would we want to go back? Is it maybe because we're not yielding to God? Is it maybe because even though we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we might be saved, we're not willing to be obedient to what God has for us. And instead of following God and selling out for God and and saying, as we looked in our Sunday school hour this morning, what did Jesus say? Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Instead of loving him, we start allowing our minds to be deluded again. Delusional. Thinking that something... We're missing out. Yeah, we're missing out on the grave. We're missing out on death. We're missing out on hell. Praise God for that. There is nothing else that they have to offer over there. But yet somehow we think that that's where happiness and satisfaction is. But God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love wherein he loved us. Praise God when we repented of our sin and put our faith in Jesus Christ alone to save us. He quickened us and he made us alive and brought us out of the grave where we were dead and has given us a new life in him and christian can i tell you something we ought to thank god for what he's done for us 
We got to thank God because we didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing we had to offer God. It's simply by his mercy and his grace that we're able to be brought out of that grave. But are we living for him? Are we living for him? Are we trying to get back in the grave? Are we living this new life that he has for us with spiritual eyes and seeing what God has for us? Or are we just still living with the physical eyes and saying, well, man, that just looks so much fun and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss out on life? No, you're not missing out on anything over there because they have nothing to offer. Jesus Christ offers it all. The way, the truth, the life. There's nothing else. What else, what else can the world offer? The way? Nope. The course of their world? Nope. It's not going to work. Life? Nope. They don't have life over there. They have death. Truth? Nope. They're delusional. They don't have truth. See, all that can only be found through Jesus Christ. And if you're saved this morning, praise God, you've been made alive. You were quickened. Who were dead? You've been quickened. You've been made alive in Jesus Christ. Let's not let the world deceive us into thinking that that way is better over there. Let's make sure that we understand what Jesus Christ has done for us. And let's live the life that he has for us. The way, the truth, and the life. Father, I pray you'd help us this morning. Lord, to realize how important this is to understand what you have brought us from. What you've delivered us out of. Lord, we walked according to the course of this world. What the world says is right. We allowed ourselves to be delusional into thinking that that way brings satisfaction. Disobedient, just doing whatever we want, defiled in our flesh. And yet, God, you still loved us. And you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And when we repented of our sin and put our faith in you, you quickened us. You made us alive. You brought us out of the grave. Lord, we can thank you so much for what you've done for us. Lord, sometimes we, we forget that. Sometimes we start allowing what the world says to delude our mind and thinking that the world's way is best. Lord, I pray you to help us to stand in your word, in the truth of your word. We've been made alive, given a new life in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not to go back to the things of the world, not to the course of this world, not to the prince and the power of the air, not to those that have the wrath of God abiding on them. Lord, may we walk in Christ. We walk in you and in this new life you've given to us. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not sure if you're saved. You're not sure if you're in that grave, spiritually. So I'm not really sure if I understand all this about being made alive spiritually. I'm not sure if I died where I would go but I'd sure like to talk to somebody that could show me from the Bible how I could be saved, how I could have my sins forgiven. I wonder if there's somebody this morning who say, Pastor, that's me. 
Nobody else is looking around. Nobody, nobody else is nobody's going to come to you or call you out. You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I would like to know how to be saved. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. Friend, we'd be so happy to take the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Christian, you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. Wonderful. I know I'm out of the grave. Praise God. I know I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and He's given me eternal life. Wonderful. But are you living for Him? Or have you allowed yourself to be under the world's delusion and thinking that the world's way is right? Instead of following Jesus Christ, you're going to follow what the world says brings happiness. Instead of following the Lord, you're going to be disobedient to what He says. Just listen to your flesh. Follow after what Satan says is right, the very enemy of God, instead of following the one who actually made you alive, who actually brought life to you when you were in the grave. Are we fully surrendered to him and whatever he would have for us? I wonder if their heads bowed and our eyes closed, we'll just stand quietly this morning. The piano is just going to play softly this morning. Maybe this morning God has spoken to your heart. There's something in your life that you know that's, that's the world's way. That's not pleasing to the Lord. We've allowed ourselves to be deluded into thinking that God, the, God's way is wrong, the world's way is right. Even though Jesus Christ is the one that offers life, we think that success and man, happiness can only come through the world's way. be fully surrendered to him the one who has quickened us and made us alive when we were dead in the grave 